Hey folks, before we get started, want to thank our awesome new sponsor, and that is the We Are Libertarians shop. Now, if you're a new member of the audience, or if you're a long-term listener of The Brian Nichols Show, or We Are Libertarians, then why not support your favorite programs while looking great at the same time? And yes, it is that easy. So all you have to do, click the link in the show notes, or head to tchip.com and search We Are Libertarians to find some awesome apparel to wear as we head towards the 2020 election. Shirts, hoodies, polos, heck, posters, face masks, and more, featuring all of your favorite We Are Libertarian Network shows. And remember, every purchase goes right back into the network and every little bit helps. So again, click that link in the show notes or head over to tchip.com and search We Are Libertarians and purchase your phenomenal Brian Nichols show and We Are Libertarians merch today. Now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. It is Wednesday, my dudes. Surprise! That's right, Brian Nichols here on the Brian Nichols Show, special Wednesday episode. And yes, of course, we are joined by another phenomenal guest. You know this phenomenal guest because they've been on the show many a time because, honestly, he has a lot of great things to say and a great perspective on a lot of awesome subjects, namely that of criminal justice reform, something that's much needed in an era of, uh, obviously, all that's going on with uh, police brutality um, and the Black Lives Matter protesting. We need some reform, and that is why Brad Palumbo has been one of the best voices on that. But Brad's joined the show today to discuss, well, actually, what's happening with the riots, and the riots actually having more of a negative impact in terms of uh, successfully implementing some criminal justice reform. So Brad joins the show to dig into uh, not only uh, that exact topic, but also you know some of the proponents, like uh, Rand Paul being uh, accosted by the, the riots, actually him and his wife being swarmed by a mob, and, and, and much more. So I don't want to spoil too much of the episode. It's a great conversation, as always, with our friend Brad. So without further ado, on to the show! Brad Palumbo returning to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, thanks for having me back on, man. Absolutely. We, we've been we've been talking a lot recently, it seems, because the, just the news doesn't seem to end. It's like every single day there's some hot topic, and now the riots are back in the news, and it seems like that's at the top of everybody's, um, you know, everybody's radar right now, and rightfully so. I mean, you're seeing major cities across the United States quite literally burning while CNN has a chyron that says mostly peaceful protests. Brad, people are starting to get freaked out, and I think... And, and, you know, I'm actually, I'm, we're interviewing here today on, on September 1st, and I'm going to be interviewing Austin Peterson in a little bit. And I'm seeing this sentiment of people who maybe were not warm and fuzzy to Trump, but now they're like, hmm, it's that, like, or we're, we're, what we're having now, these, these riots, and, and kind of like this, it feels like a leftist takeover. And it's not even, it's not even the organization's yeah, that we're supposed to be supporting. It's not. It's not the, the organizations of, of Black Lives Matter. It's it's people who are utilizing these platforms to really promote their own uh, perspectives of justice. And in this case, it's it's you know the Antifa folks who are out there. So Brad, talk to us. You know all that's been going on in the world. What got us to this point now, where we have Antifa basically taking the the you know the flag of a you know groundswell of movement that you and I I think would agree with for criminal justice reform, specifically focusing on that with Black Lives Matter. And now they're they're co-opting it, and we're we're seeing they're quite literally burning cities down. 
Well, you know, it's so disturbing and frankly, it's radicalizing to watch videos every day of people being beaten on the streets, of stores being broken into. I mean, I saw the other day a, a shop owner, a big New York Post story with a, his bloodied face on the as, as the image where they beat him to a pulp when he tried to stop looters from breaking into his store. Um, this old man got to be 65, 70, something like that. And you see, they found a burnt out, a burnt body, a, a torched corpse in a Minneapolis pawn shop that three days after the riots ended on that street, the police found a body in it. So it's like, this is dangerous stuff. You have at least 15 people minimum died from the George Floyd protests in the in- initial two months afterwards. And you've seen more deaths since, more violence and destruction and chaos. Mm-hmm. And it's not just property damage. I hate when leftists yes. or sympathetic radicals try to make that argument that's really stupid for a number of reasons so frustrating one the biggest reason is probably that that property violence ends up hurting humans as we've seen it descended into literal violence but also property violence itself is violence right because when you're destroying someone's livelihood you're threatening their life like if you burn down my business that i rely on for my income i can't pay for my spouse's health care or my children's food i mean this is an attack on people's livelihoods and that's oh but they have insurance brad they have insurance brad this is no so so that's like i hate when i hear people say that and i know i know you're just you're making a good point because that's what they cite there's a couple things that are wrong with that though it's like one insurance is not immediate if i so you have house insurance for your home right hypothetical um person would you therefore not mind if i burned your home to the ground exactly of course not exactly there's enormous personal pain and inconvenience and chaos caused by that. And then, of course, it's it's just factually incorrect to assume that small businesses are covered by extensive insurance that applies to riots. Big corporations often are. So Target and Walmart have extremely lush insurance plans that cover rioting. A lot of small businesses, though, the exact ones being destroyed in the riots, have more modest plans that don't apply to riots. Or, as we're seeing now in Minneapolis, they do have some insurance, but the costs of repair are actually going to be much greater than what insurance will cover. Yep. So, so the idea that insurance justifies this is just lunacy. But back, So back to your original point, though, people are – I mean, I would count myself in that, that camp of not a never-Trumper who hates everything he does, but someone who's very skeptical of this president and his fitness and, and some of his policies. But it's hard not to feel dragged to the right when you have this – these Democrat mayors in these blue states, show me the red state where this is happening. You can't. Even in Maryland, where you have not a blue state, but it's a Republican governor, Larry Hogan shut down riots in Baltimore within 48 hours. He shut it down. So that's why you haven't heard Baltimore up there with uh, Kenosha and Minneapolis and Portland, because that's it's that simple. They're enforcing law and order. Yep. And then you have Democrat-run cities that are just not, and they're just allowing for chaos in the streets. And I have to say, I understand, I feel the same urge of these people that it's not ultimately going to win the day. I'm going to try to stick to the logic, the policies and everything, but it makes you feel radicalized. And I get that. I get feeling all of a sudden pushed to the right wing by watching a party like the Democrat Party just bow to insane mobs and leftists in the streets. Yeah. And I I honestly, I'm right there with you. I I empathize a thousand percent because, I mean, if there is any argument for for a government it is that to defend at the very least your your basic property rights and and you you as an individual your 
personal rights. And and I think, you know, as, as a libertarian, I'd say a small L libertarian, leaning definitely classically liberal, I would say that's where I would say right now government should be stepping in, if, in, especially in a case where you have delegated the monopoly of violence to that of the, the, the government. Government has the monopoly in the police force, right? So in that instance, it's it's on the government to, to fill that void. You have the oh, responsibility. Oh, it's more than just that. It's not just that they have the monopoly on force. It's also that, like in Minneapolis, for example, they've limited businesses' ability to protect themselves. Yes. So go, Minneapolis yeah. had a right. Yeah, they had a regulation that made it illegal for stores to put security shutters. You know the kind of thing you see in a mall where they pull it over <laughs> right. the store when it closes. Uh, those make it hard to break into, and you can't shatter the windows, and it's much harder to loot it. Uh, that is illegal in the city of Minneapolis Wild. because city bureaucrats wanted to beautify the streets. Well, now you have 1,500 businesses and properties that were torched, rioted, or looted, uh, and the the, they, the city officials largely sat on their hands. They allowed it to get out of control, um, and so it's even they have even more of a culpability and i'm very libertarian leaning i'm a small government guy conservative libertarian all of that um but that is the one role where everyone agrees like that's the point of government right exactly. is policing property rights and protecting people and making sure people can't hurt each other right I, I, we can't debate whether there should be socialist health care or whether there should be hate speech laws yet meanwhile neglect the most basic duty of government that's outrageous. That's insane. So there's there's just no argument other than gross negligence and sympathy to radicalism for why these officials have failed so woefully to protect people's property and their rights. Yep. And, and you it, you want let's let's kind of go back to a point you made there about the not being allowed to put defensive measures in place for your business because of the beautification, right? Then let's let's look and see the actual consequences of that. So in in response to that now you have businesses who are burning and now you quite literally have entire communities who there's going to be reputations of you know bad areas because the the rioting the looting and now people aren't going to frequent those businesses if i was a business owner why would you want to go back to that area i mean unless you you have your roots in the area now you, you, you what you're going to rebuild your built your burnt business right now right on the ashes of your old one okay go for it but it, what's the chance it's going to get happened again right and and i don't right. think you're i don't think people are realizing the long-term ramifications, I mean, this is going to devastate communities for generations because you are taking out these landmark businesses and honestly, landmark families, because let's be real, a lot of these, these family-owned businesses are entirely in those communities because that's where the family is. And if you're burning that business, which is you know probably one of the anchors of that, that entire family being in that area, then you're 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 getting rid of the, the reason that, that that family has has lasted in that, that community for so long. So now you're incentivizing people who would otherwise be bringing jobs and bringing economic livelihood to these areas. Now they're they're getting out of town and they're moving to, to areas that are going to be more you know, like you're speaking of in in Maryland where you have Governor Hogan who was like, no, if you were rioting and you're going after private property, nope, done. But now, I mean, I, I live in Philly. I, I'm terrified if this ended up happening because I have a Democratic mayor. I have a Democratic governor. What's going to happen? Like, you know, is it, is it going to be one of those instances where we're going to see, you know, down the street, that I'm going to see flames? You know, I, I don't, I hope not. I pray not. But I'm kind of left in a situation right now where I I haven't seen anything otherwise to give me any any hope that, that the governors will do the right thing. So I guess going forward, we, we, you know, talk about what we're seeing in all these cities. D.C., where you hail from, it's devolving into chaos. We see one of our, our you know, best allies in the U.S. Senate, in, in Senator Rand Paul, being 
you know, accosted by an angry mob saying, say her name, referring to Brianna Taylor, where here, Rand Paul wrote the damn bill. I mean, if we're going to quote Bernie Sanders, I mean, he wrote the damn bill. Rand wrote the damn bill, the, the Brianna Taylor Act. Speak to that, Brad. You had a great article that dug into just the absolute hypocrisy of um, you know, these rioters going after Rand freaking Paul of all people. Yeah, it's been disturbing to watch this play out in my backyard. I live in Arlington, Virginia, so it's, it's the D.C. metro area, but it's just over the line into Virginia. There's been no rioting on my streets. There's been no burnt down buildings uh, in my neighborhood, but just a 10-minute drive away where my friends live, they were texting me videos and updates where they were looking out the windows of their apartment building over the last few months on multiple occasions and just watching the stores they frequent across the street being smashed and looted with no police in sight. They were watching, the, like they literally saw, saw smoke billowing from a few. Now the arson and the fires did not get out of control in D.C., thankfully, but there were a few. So you could see like trails of smoke up in the air from their apartments uh, and that's just insane. I mean, it, and it really is, is so telling. Um, but the thing that happened with Rand Paul, I mean, it, it, it almost to me was like a breaking point. After the RNC, him and his wife, Kelly Paul, a very, very su sweet woman, right? The two of them are walking back to their hotel, just two blocks. And this mob, I, I mean, I encourage all your listeners to see the video if they haven't, because it's so disturbing. These people yell, we got Rand Paul trapped. Then they start attacking the police officers that are keeping them away from them and shouting at him and screaming. And I was like, this is Orwellian. This is like five minutes hate from, from 1984. This is an unthinking, unfeeling, irrational mob. I mean, they're screaming about Breonna Taylor, who, listen, I, I've, I'm very upset about her death. I've written many articles advocating for banning no-knock warrants, which got her killed when police invaded her home at night. Um but so is Rand Paul. He introduced a bill to abolish them, like you noted. So this this idea that they're attacking him, of all people, over say her name, justice for Breonna, that just tells you that we are dealing with a a radical movement that's just immune from facts and reason idiocracy. and reality. It's idiocracy, honestly. Like, it, 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 what's the old expression there? Like, idiocracy was not meant to be a how-to guide. And, like, we're seeing it right now where people are so... Uh, truly so ignorant of what reality is it's like how how can you be so disconnected like you think you are so informed but you are so so ignorant i mean who was it ronald reagan that the problem with our friends on the left is i think they know so much or i mean it's something of that variation but it, the, the point stands true because yeah you, yes say her name we're, we're with you that's why you support people like Rand paul who are with you and they're actually they're doing something about it but it, it, like to your point, Brad, it seems like it's gotten much more into this, this you know, team you know, mentality. And sadly, we're seeing across the country, in some instances, these, these riots are starting over acts of violence by police that didn't even happen. I mean, you, you, you were talking beforehand, Chicago, Minneapolis, let, let's dig into this. There are actual riots that started here and looting that started based on accounts that were saying that there was you know, police violence and, and yet... The reality is, no, Brad, speak to that. Right. So originally in Minneapolis in late May, early June, the riots were about the death of George Floyd, which we all agree was a tragedy and an injustice. But the riots that broke out last week, again in Minneapolis, were started by false social media rumors that suggested uh, that police had killed an unarmed black teenager. Um, in fact, a, 
adult male murder suspect had shot himself committing suicide when police tried to apprehend him. And is his death still a sad thing? Yes, but that is not the same. And that is not a cause for riots if there even if there's there's never one, but that is not a fair cause to be even protesting about, frankly, let alone rioting. Um, But and the police actually clarified what happened within 90 minutes. They put out a statement clarifying it was too late. The disinformation prompted mobs and rioting um, almost immediately. And this this, just a few weeks ago in Chicago, something similar happened where another fake story went viral and and they had calls for everyone to go loot the the magnificent mile, the, the luxury store street in downtown Chicago. And they all went and they burned torched businesses and did all this chaos and destruction. Later, they found out, oh, that story we're all sharing about a police killing an unarmed black man wasn't true. Actually, what had happened was an armed suspect who had shot at police, police then killed him. And obviously, that still deserves serious investigation to see what happened. scrutiny. But it's not, not obviously, on its face, a tragedy or an injustice in any way. So it's really concerning. I mean, I wrote a, a column over this for the Washington Examiner. And over the weekend, and and that was generally the point. It's like, it's bad enough when you have injustices prompting national unrest, but how do you heal a country that's so sick that it's breaking out into violence and vandalism over tragedies that never even happened? And frankly, Brian, I, I just don't have an answer there. It just, it leaves me feeling bleak. Yes, and and honestly, the part that is the saddest about all this is that I think we're going to see real consequences in terms of actually getting some real substantive criminal justice policy reform accomplished because i mean Rand paul is easily one of the most staunch allies for cjr in in the senate on the right and yet now you see where you you do have just this this blind angry mob going after who they should consider to be an ally and i think it's going to really create a negative sentiment of like, okay, you know what? Screw this. Like we're trying to work with you and you're, you're not even like willing to come to the table and have a rational, logical, big, you know, adult person conversation. You just want to be angry. They're literally the meme. Here's a solution. I, I just want to be mad. Like, I, right. like you don't want a solution. You just want to be mad. And it's like, okay, so if you just want to be mad, guess what? People aren't going to stand for it. Like if you're just going to come to the table screaming and hollering, they're going to like, no, because you're not entering the conversation in good faith. You're not being a rational actor. You're just being emotional for the sake of being emotional. So I, what I fear is that you're going to have people like Rand Paul who maybe they're, they're not going to be as, as apt to you know be leading the charge on some of these criminal justice reform issues. And actually, we're going to see the policy that we all agree on not coming to the floor because now you're not able to build these much needed coalitions in order to actually accomplish some legislative success. Brad, what's the long-term ramifications here? Do you think we're going to end up seeing something like a Nixon, um, you know, return to like this law and order mentality in the seventies here in 2020 and end up hurting our prospects for criminal justice reform? Well, I think that the violent unrest and the rioting and looting and the mobs has really sabotaged any chance of real reform happening. You know, in the first few weeks after George Floyd's death, I remember there was this across the spectrum, peaceful protest, reconciliation with issues, talk of policy ideas. And then these riots started happening. And at first it captured the attention. And now it's honestly become the bigger and more pressing issue. When you have dozens of people being killed in the streets and stores being burnt down and vandalized, that's a more pressing issue than 
policy, wonky policies of criminal justice reform in the in the minds of most people. So that's the first reason that it sabotages the chance of progress is just moving the attention elsewhere. But the second main reason that's honestly more glaring is like with someone like Rand Paul, right? He's a very libertarian leaning Republican, and he's really gone out on a limb over the last five to six years introducing criminal justice reform bills, talking about racial justice in policing, and he that those kind of stances don't come without a cost. He's taken heat from the conservatives, the law and order types that call him a liberal, they call him a jailbreaker. Like it is not easy to go out on a limb and be a pioneer for change on an issue that your 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 movement or party is not fully on board with. And then when you do it and the other side still hates you, and still thinks you're evil and doesn't even bother to acknowledge the facts of what you have done. And so it's not just this one mob in D.C., right? Obviously, that's just a group of 100 people or whatever. But how many elected Democrats condemn the violence against Rand Paul? I've been waiting. I haven't seen one. There could be some out there, but I, I haven't seen I haven't seen any. And I looked and I asked. Um, and you've seen some Democrats vaguely condemn all violence and rioting and looting. But it's like one of your colleagues in the Senate was attacked by a mob. If Bernie Sanders was attacked by a mob, I would put out a, a tweet saying this is horrible. Tea Partiers don't do this shit. Right. And that's never happened. First of all, there was no violence in the Tea Party at all. Um, but if it did, I, I sure would. And I would expect Republicans who hey, were can, decent. Hey, can we so. acknowledge like what Rand Paul has had to go through the past like like five years, exactly. he has been p- attacked by his neighbor and had his lung punctured by, by a broken rib and had to have part of his lung removed. He was shot at during a congressional mm-hmm. baseball practice where Steve Scalise almost lost his life. And now he's been attacked by an angry, riotous mob while he's leaving the president, the, the White House, being one of the most pro criminal justice reform senators. Like, he has been easily one of the best senators on all these issues that they should be the left should be agreeing with him on on these core fundamental principles that we can agree with and he has every reason to 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 say screw this i'm not working with you anymore because of what's I couldn't happened. blame him hey, but you know I'd what be, i'd be sad but he's, i couldn't blame him god bless him brad he's stuck by and and you know what and i always get so mad at libertarians who say that rand's uh, you know he does, he's not principled he has literally almost lost his life trying to stand for for principles and and yet and yet libertarians say he's not libertarian enough. It drives me up a wall, and I see you know very former prominent people in the libertarian hierarchy who will retweet things against Rand Paul. It's like Rand Paul has done more to actually advance libertarian you know philosophy and really some true substantive reform in in DC than D- who like honestly name a right. senator that's better than Rand Paul. Like honestly, I, I can't think of anybody. And and yet they will be so quick to go against him because he's not perfect. And damn it all, like I mean, I, right here, I got my my basic membership card for the Libertarian Party. I've really reconsidered, you know, at times like am I, am I going to do this? Like I'm going to re- renew for another year because I I'm tired of like just talking about liberty, which is I mean, honestly, it's an important thing, but like in my sales brain cuz my day job's in sales, it's all about production. It's all about yielding some substantive things. You can look at the board and say, all right, we did X, Y, and Z, and we got this. And I'm not seeing that from the Libertarian Party. I mean, yes, it's one thing to to build relationships and, and educate people. It's another thing to actually get off your ass and win some elections. I love to see Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen going around doing these, you know, these local um you know stops and such. It's great. But you know, I want to make sure that local people are out there and they're they're serious candidates trying to actually promote 
real policy. Um, but I just I haven't seen that fire in a lot of libertarians. I think the Libertarian Party has a, a very uh, prominent role in American politics, but I think the Libertarian Party dropped the ball extremely in not taking a hard-nosed approach on the riots. Not not the protests, the riots, because there is a fundamental difference, and and you are being willfully ignorant if you if you try to conflate the two. If you're like, well, they're two separate things, let's not talk about it because they're two separate things. Like, no, you have to like Americans, and this is part of the reason. I'm sorry to go into monologue here, but just it this is this is the truth. Part of the problem with the Libertarian Party ever getting electoral success is because Americans are looking for a a person. To say I'm a leader and I'm going to take unpopular positions because it's the right thing to do. That's why Ron Paul got so much traction back in 2008 through 2012 because he was speaking the truth about foreign policy to an American electorate that was not very in favor of that because we were at war and you know just by the numbers, whenever America is at war, you know support for the war is in like the 70, 80, 90 percent. You look back, George H.W. Bush bombing Iraq, it was like a 93 percent support of that war. Insane. But here's Ron Paul being the one voice who's being consistent on this very, very, very important issue. And people, damn it, they respected that. And right now, we need to take a very hard-nosed position, and that is saying riots are fundamentally wrong. And if we are going to be you know, a libertarian party that we support the idea of empowering the individual, that also comes with you know, demanding demanding responsibility and that requires us as libertarians to work within our respective communities and make sure that we're setting standards for for not only ourselves that we're going to hold ourselves to but we will together voluntarily hold each other to um and and i think you know until we make a definitive declaration on that people aren't going to take the libertarian party seriously they're not going to take the the goals seriously because it just looks like you know you're you're saying what is easy instead of saying the difficult thing even though the difficult thing is the right thing to do and the right thing to, to say, saying we're not going to support you know this 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 you know mindless rioting and looting of private businesses, we're not going to support you know these acts of violence against business owners or just you know random people walking down the street because you have a disagreement about political ide- ideas or policy. Like that is not how we as a a you know a functioning democratic society, for better or for worse. That's not how we do things in America. You do not you do not deal with um, these movements through through violence. We we talk out our, our problems. We work through our problems. We find agreements. We make policy based on those common grounds. And yet, here we are in 2020. You have red team, blue team, and and I'm I'm genuinely nervous, Brad, because I don't know what's going to happen next. You know. If Trump gets elected, I, I'm terrified what's going to happen between November and J- January. Like, it's going to be rough. But also, if Biden wins, I'm terrified of what's going to happen, if, you know, from from just a transformational standpoint of America. Because I, I genuinely think Joe Biden is just the enabler-in-chief if he's elected. He will be bringing in people as, you know, this Trojan horse, and he's going to be planting these these people who, they represent a small faction of Americans, but they will have so much power. So, Brad, I don't mean to be so pessimistic, but... That's kind of where I guess, you know, I'm looking at where we're at right now. Is there any way we could have anything, you know, of, of positive to, to yield towards or look towards? Because otherwise, I think it's going to be a pretty bleak next couple of months. Am I wrong? No, I mean, I'm looking at things pretty bleak. And just backing up for a second to the Libertarian Party point, um, the point of a political party is to win elections and effectuate policy change. 
right? Whereas the the point of a think tank like the Cato Institute or even podcasting or even, you know, writing essays like I do and, and opinion columns or books, that that's where you can just talk about ideas or kind of you don't have to worry about what the polls say or messaging. You can just say your views and you can be as abstract and purist about it as however you want. Um, but the, 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 the point of a political party is to get elected and they should, if, if you wanted to move the, the policy needle in America, um, towards a libertarian direction, you would not do that by putting up candidates who are quasi anarchist, not really like so, so, so libertarian that, that, that frankly, they should be characterized as anarchists. Um, and you wouldn't do it by putting up left libertarians who sympathize with SJW rhetoric and sound like progressives and virtue signal and do identity politics because that is not appeal. There's no constituency in America for that. There's no constituency. If you look at voting blocks for people who are socially left wing and economically right wing, that's a tiny, tiny fraction. However, there is a constituency for small government right wing who have moderate libertarian views on on other things in the middle, right? So if you if the libertarian party they should be running Rand Paul esque candidates who are can basically pass as conservatives, but they get in there and they bring the troops home and they pass criminal justice reform and they decriminalize criminal justice. Get shit done. Um, <laughs> exactly, just do it. And if they did that, that then then maybe they could actually win. Um, they do face, I will say, to the to their credit, they face an uphill challenge. For sure. The, the two-party system is rigged against them. 1,000%. They're not helping themselves no. with, with the way that they approach things. And I'm interested in, in learning more about uh, Dr. Joe Jorgensen. I'm going to be interviewing her for the examiner at some point in the next few weeks. Um, she seems to have kind of hit and miss on the things I'm talking about, sometimes done better and sometimes made real missteps, in my view. Um, uh, but that'll be interesting to see how it plays out and, and who succeeds her and how she does. But the, the, the kind of big takeaway there is really that the, the Libertarian Party is going to have to decide whether it wants to be liked or be successful. Because I feel like when they do things that on Twitter, like not really condemn the rioting and looting forcefully, even though that's like the most bare minimum libertarian is ideal is property rights, when they do things like that, they basically just want their like left libertarian friends to still like them, right? They don't want to, to make neoliberal Twitter mad. I don't know what the motivating force is there, but it seems like they're just taking the easy way out, right? They want the BLM people to think that they we're part of the good guys, right? Well, too, too bad, too sad, right? Like you have to take these hard stances that ultimately offline – have overwhelmingly majority support. Yes. You looked at, I saw polling that said 92% of Americans oppose looting and rioting, even in response to racial injustice. So you will get hate on Twitter. Tough. Twitter's not real life. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, if you, but, but that's a libertarian party really would have to stand for first and foremost, things that everyone agrees with, like property rights, like rule of law, like, bringing the troops home and articulate like that reform, but don't seem like this quasi SJW sounding anarchist who would, I don't know, leads by talking about legal sex robots and legal heroin, 
right? Like that's just, I mean, you're not going to win. Know your audience. So, it's, it's, it's sales 101. Who, who are you talking to? You have to have a conversation that they are already having inside their head. If you're going to your average voter and you start talking about the, the sex robot who's selling heroin on the street, then they're like, what? How does this help me like feed my family? How does this help me get the garbage collected on time? I almost think, I almost think libertarian candidates should run on narrower sets of plat, like a narrow, like a five issue platform. The rent like, is too is- damn high. There is a reason that Jimmy McMillan was so successful because he ran on in New York City. The rent is too damn high, and you know what? People resonated with it because it was one issue. And this is again, everything is sales. Find your niche, your niche market, and you become like the the only person in that market who is screaming the loudest. And that's what Jimmy McMillan did. And the Libertarian Party has not found our niche market. And like, I'm, I don't mean to go full circle, but like right now in 2020, how is it not the riots? How is it not? Right, exactly. The niche. If you had a voice, right? Because on one one side you have uh, absolute buffoonery and clownery. You have Kamala Harris fundraised to bail out rioters. Right, Joe Biden staffers donated to bail out violent criminals who got arrested at the riots. Right, you and then they've just now put out statements condemning the violence, which props. But there's obvious issues there on the left. This is happening in Democrat mayors, Democrat cities, blue states. But at the same time, I mean, Trump has not covered himself in glory in any of this. There, were, like he just the other day refused to condemn his supporters who were going in parades and shooting paintballs at protesters. And so he's like beclowned himself in his own way over this whole thing if you had a voice that and he said crazy things like give drug dealers the death penalty and all this if you actually had a voice saying rule of law property rights end the riots but also criminal justice reform that on polling is literally a mass consensus message and that could be the libertarians that should be the libertarians. It should be but the libertarians. I don't. They have not effectively communicated that message so far at all. No. Well, when you talk to Dr. Jorgensen, please um, ask her that for me because I haven't spoken to Dr. Jorgensen since actually when she was still um, a candidate to be a the libertarian nominee. Um, so I'm actually I'm going to be having her on the show here um, before the election gets gets you know really to the thick of the season here. But I mean, definitely, it's something that I'm curious why we haven't done that. I mean, I. Again, this is like a message that is so uncontroversial and to your point is so is so widely accepted that like my sales brain is just screaming because nobody's taking up the opportunity. So I'm I'm hoping that and, and here's the, the best part I would say about being a libertarian podcast and having the, the influence we do is I know that libertarian delegates listen to the, the show. I know people in the Libertarian National Committee listen to the show. I've had just recently, the, the chair of the Libertarian Party on the show. So, you know, I would say to not only the chair, you know, Joe Bishop Henchman, but also the rest of the Libertarian Party, like, let's go. Like, it's go time. Like, let's let's start having a cohesive message. And I know part of the problem is that trying to get Libertarians to agree on anything is like herding cats. But at some point in time, and again, this is a fundamental flaw, I think, in just general with Libertarians uh, across the board, is that it does require you to have a, a leader. You have to have... Someone who's saying, like, you need to have the CEO who's like, here's the vision. Now execute the vision. Implement so the one, vision. So one thought, honestly, um, the Libertarian Party has this, and I think I mentioned this, actually, I might have mentioned this to you last time we talked, but the Libertarian Party, as far as I'm aware, has no magnet, right? They have nobody that is truly, like, wide name recognition, very charismatic, great on TV, great to speaking to crowds, like, 
hate or love or hate Donald Trump, he's great at speaking to crowds. And he, he's his personality attracts attention and spotlight like like bees like bees on honey, right? And and then on the other hand, you have people like AOC, who as horrible as her ideas maybe is a master communicator, right? She's got mass audience, mass appeal. From your sales perspective, she's killing it. So um who is and, and also because the Libertarian Party is like the best it is the biggest minor party but it's a minor party they really should try in my view to recruit someone for these national races like president who has nation nationwide name recognition right whether that's Rand paul or justin amash or even some celebrity or something yes. i actually like the idea that libertarians have of nominating people without government experience it's not a bad thing that George, joe jorgensen has never served in government as far as i'm aware it speaks to our message um, even more so because it shows exactly. that we're not a part of the system but if you're going to do that, I really think you should cash in on it with somebody who has maybe a lot of money to self-fund their own campaign and has a lot of name recognition that will draw media attention and spotlight. But that would definitely require abandoning niche purity tests and just going with somebody who's pretty liberty-minded. Yes, I mean – And I, 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 I see no sign they're, that they're willing to do that. And, 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 you know, here's the sad reality is that, like, The Rock would, would be a good libertarian president. Like he would yeah. be not only would he be a great candidate from a, a pure sales perspective, I mean, it's a freaking rock. But like, I dare say that if you were to have the rock, right, sit down with <laughs> sit down with with Tom Woods and and David Friedman and and you had him like sit and learn, um, you know, Austrian and Chicago economics. I'm pretty sure that The Rock would listen and be, be willing to have his mind, at the very least, not any change. I'm not sure what The Rock believes in economics, but like I'm sure he would entertain it, and because he's a rational human being. And and honestly, you could staff you could staff their team with more libertarian purists. Yes, right? absolutely. Like, and not only that, not only that, but like people know The Rock. Like part of the problem for the Libertarian Party is the exactly is the name recognition. If you say you know Donald Trump, Joe Joe Biden, Joe Jorgensen. I know him. I know him. Who? And if you say well, the, the rock, the problem they know. is that the pollsters, and I think it's unfair to Joe, but the pollsters aren't even polling her. No, they're not they're even not. putting her name in the polls. But if you had somebody who was famous, they couldn't do that. They couldn't justify not including. And, and that's the what rock. happened with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That, that's how exactly Arnold Schwarzenegger in 2003 won the, the California gubernatorial election because he could not be ignored. In California, they have a crazy electoral system. Um, well, it's not crazy. I actually like it a lot more because you, you it's not just like the 50 plus Those one. Primaries, right? Yeah, exactly. And and Arnold basically was able to co-opt um, the GOP ticket. And with his name recognition, people saying, wait, that's a lot of vowels. I know that guy. That's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they checked his name because they recognized the name. And and honestly, I think, Brad, that that probably is what it takes. But to the point that you made and that the part that drives me crazy is that it's going to require libertarians to pull their, their heads out of the group chats and the, the Facebook um, echo chambers they find themselves in and actually talk to some real people who just want a rational human being being the president of the United States. Like we, our job right now is not to convince everybody that they're libertarian. Our job is to get somebody who can represent our ideas to the, the mass appeal of the people 
And then when right. we had that person in, in positions of power start to enact these libertarian ideals while also teaching, and then we can correlate, say, hey, remember when we said The Rock was going to you know, lower the, the corporate tax rates and you, got, like, the, you were told that this was going to be terrible. Here's what actually happened. Also, here's what we did with criminal justice reform. Here, remember you're told that you're going to see crime you know, go crazy in the streets and it's not actually happening? Well, here's the reason why, and you can teach people that. People need to be able to see, though, the, the, the theory and then the real-life application come together because until they can actually see it tangibly come together it's just gonna be pie in the sky stuff it's not gonna resonate to your average person so we need that one person who can convey our vision to the average voter and then once actually in in office i mean as long as they're not jack kennedy like to keep on promoting the ideas that we want actually in in office and in in you know in policy but also removing the barriers that are in place removing the regulations so uh, you know, I know we're getting ready to, to wrap up in time here, Brad. So I wanted to leave, you know, the, the floor with you. Obviously, right now it's going to be tough for for a third party presidential candidate to have any electoral success, just because a lot of people have been so brainwashed in this red team, blue team mentality. So, I guess what I would say to you, or not say to you, but rather ask from you, is what would you say to your average voter? I mean, I, I'm looking forward to having you in the show a couple times before between now and November, but. You know, as we get towards November, people are starting to look at this more seriously. And I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I'm having Austin Peterson on the show um, later today to discuss. You know, he he spoke for Dr. Jorgensen two weeks ago, saw what happened with Rand Paul. Now he's considering voting for Trump. So, to the people who are or like Austin, are they on the right track, or or is it maybe something that they should take a step back and and take a deep breath and reconsider? Thoughts? Well, look, Donald Trump is not a libertarian. He's very hit or miss on libertarian policies, um, and so. Voting for him or not voting for him, it has a lot of factors to it, but it's it's not as, yeah, it's not a black or white situation. I'm not going to be voting for him. I don't think there's anything that could really change that, but that's more a matter of kind of conscientious objection to character and fitness than it is to honestly policy because policy, he's been very mixed, but I certainly think he's less, less bad than Joe Biden. Um, I guess what I'd say t- to your audience is, uh, give me 18 years and then I'll be old enough and I'll sign up. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the meantime, then it's our job to make sure not only are we, uh, we staying in touch with you, but also we're promoting all the work you're doing so we can get your, your profile elevated to that of one Dwayne, the rock Johnson. So with that being said, Brad, where can folks go ahead and follow you online? Obviously they're smart folks here in the audience. They can search your name, but let's give them some, uh, some concrete locations, Twitter, Facebook, where are you writing all that fun stuff? Yeah. Twitter's the best one, Brad underscore Palumbo. And you can also go to at Palumbo is P-O-L-U-M-B-O. And then you can also go to uh, bradleypalumbo.substack.com to sign up to my email newsletter, which is a good way of, of keeping up with everything if you're not somebody who uses social media every single day. Uh, so if you're sane, unlike me. Uh, but, you know, I joke about myself, but one thing I, I, I like to see, and I think we do need to do, is focus on building a bench of voices for liberty, whether it's in the Republican Party or whether it's in the Libertarian Party or whether it's in the media. Um, building a bench of prominent voices, there's just not enough, really, frankly, in, uh, of people on the internet and in the media uh, who are libertarians. And building up a voice of people who, over the next decade, can build a profile and then be in a position to do something with it. Yes, and that's what I think the the broader liberty movement needs to focus on. Amen. Well, with that being said, Brad, as always, thank you for joining the Brian Nichols Show. Looking forward to, uh, to many um, opportunities to have you in the show and always looking forward to discussing the great work you're doing at all the amazing organizations that you're a part of, Washington Examiner, Fee, National Review, and so on and so forth. You're such a busy man, Brad. But with that being said, thanks for joining the Brian Nichols Show.
Thanks for having me. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Brad Palumbo. As always, a fantastic conversation. Brad's always, um, he's always got such a, a, a matter-of-fact way of, of laying out exactly what's happening. And honestly, I always leave uh, feeling, I know we ended the show feeling a little like pessimistic, but at the same point in time, hopeful, because we have people like Brad in the movement who is focused more so on building bridges, bringing more voices to the table. That's what we need, and that's what we've been talking about here at the Brian Nichols Show. So with that being said, if you could do me a favor, let's help bring more voices to the table, and that starts with us uh, sharing today's episode with some family and friends. So what I'm going to ask you to do, go ahead and share uh, today's episode. Make sure you go ahead and give me and Brad a tag over on social media. Um, I'll include the links not only to Brad's uh, social media, but also all my links to social media, but just in case, it's it's easy, right? At B Nichols Liberty, and you can use that to find me over on Twitter, on Facebook, and yes, over on Minds.com. Also, please keep up the list of guests. They just keep them coming because I'm not kidding. My next two months, I think I have at least three or four conversations right now scheduled per week because you guys have been suggesting some amazing guests, and I I truly cannot thank you enough. So if you have an idea for a guest, if you yourself would like to be a guest, do me a favor, email me, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. But with that being said, guys, last final ask of the day, and that would be to please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. Sincerely, that means so much to me because, number one, that's how we move up the Apple Podcast rankings. Uh, But number two, that's how we're going to be able to reach more people. And uh, when we reach more people, we have a better chance of changing some folks' hearts and minds. And, hey, that actually will mean something because uh, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to see it happen in the wild. I'm starting to see folks asking some questions. Why are things the way they are? And they're looking for some answers. And it's on us. It's our responsibility to make sure that we are there ready to offer those solutions. With that being said, guys, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show after another fun-filled episode. But before I do, I want to give another special shout-out to Corey. Uh, Corey Dunn, behind the scenes doing all the work that I honestly needed help doing, um, making my life a little bit easier, but also it's allowing us to produce more content. Um, So with that being said, prepare yourselves. We are, yes, preparing to start, question mark, launching some more episodes um, during the week. Right now, I'm going to toy with maybe two episodes per week, if we're lucky, three. Um, So please make sure that you are subscribed to The Brian Nichols Show just so you are not missing a single episode episode. So with that being said, guys, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Brad Palumbo. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.